I'm starting a series today that I'm so excited about, Barcelona. I tell you, I've been humming and buzzing about this for weeks now. And uh, because uh, uh, I believe it's, a, it's, it's something that how I wish people knew it and embraced this truth, they would go so much further in their lives. As some of you know, uh, we, we lost our sister, uh, my bishop's elder sister, a firstborn sister in her home, and we had a funeral yesterday. And so I thought I was going to do it today, but next week, Sunday, I want to pay tribute to her. And because of something that she represented and that you also represent. I truly want to show you in this series that so many of you carry so much in you that you are not aware of. The day you find out who you really are, you will never live your life the same way. Today, I think I must lay the foundation about mentals. I'm talking about taking up your mental. I want to show you how mentals are given by God to individuals, to families, to churches, to nations. In the coming weeks, I'll explore that. Next week, we'll explore a lot about how God has given a mental to you as an individual. I'm being honest with you, and I'll say it again. Some of you watching by television, those of you watching on social network, those of you in the branches, in the cathedrals, those of you sitting here, I'm realizing the more I've been studying this series and the more I look at people is the more I realize so many of us, we don't know who we are. We don't know what we carry. We don't know what God has placed because if we knew, we would never handle our lives the way we're handling them. There is so much to you so much worth that you carry, so much that God wants to do through you and through your life. And that's why it becomes important for you to put yourself in the environment where the fullness of who you are can be nourished so that you can grow to the fullness of your potential. The environment of a church that preaches the word, the environment of worship and prayer and loving God is one of the best environments to nourish the fullness of who you are. So today I really want to lay a foundation. I, I pray time will allow me to, I really want to lay a good foundation for you. We'll use First Kings chapter 19 as our main text. And I'm reading, oops, verse 19 to verse 21, excuse me. Verse 19 to verse 21. And I'm reading the NIV Bible. It reads, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So Elisha is plowing this 12 yoke of oxen. It's the 12th pair he is also uh, uh, driving. And Elijah went up to Elisha and threw his cloak, the NIV says. Other translation says he threw his mantle around him. Note that language. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. He said to him, let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, then I will come with you. So Elisha understood what was being done. He understood the significance of what had, had just happened. And he understood when this happens to you, you don't live your life in the normal way anymore. There are certain demands that a mental places on your life. 
And people who don't understand about mentals, they will try to live their lives like everybody else. See, there are certain things that when a mental is on you, you've got to stay away from them because you are not going to see the fullness of what God has in store for you. And when you understand the issue about mental, then you understand why it's so important for you to live a separated life, not an isolated life, but a separated life. Paul Habu, where he says, all things are lawful, but not everything is actually acceptable and proper. Even if holy right for me to touch everything, but not everything is profitable for my cause. Because of the mental you carry, not because it's not right, Mara, because it's not going to help you to fully become who God wants you to become. Many people haven't understood that. They haven't understood that. So when that mantle was thrown on Elijah, he changes his course. He says, let me go kiss my mother and my father goodbye. Then I'll come and follow you. And Elijah says, what have I done to you? You know why he's pushing him? You know why he's pushing him? He says, if you still have a lock and a connection with the things of the old, you'll never transition into the new where God is taking you. There are things, when God puts his mantle on you, the tone of your life changes. And you have to, you have to forsake as in your sin. Oh my goodness. So Elisha left him and went back, took the yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Look what he does. He takes all the oxen and slaughters them. Because he doesn't want to have anything to look back to. He doesn't want anything in his past to lure him back. On this path, Barcelona, how can you again? He slew them, slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat, gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out and followed Elijah and became his attendant. You change the tone of your life. I'm telling you. Some of you, you want to go further in life, but you don't want to let go of certain things. Because you see other people doing it. They are drinking, they are smoking. Your path is a different path. Your path is a different path. Even if other young people are Because of your journey. The book of First and Second Kings records the history of the nation of Israel from the time of Solomon and through to the time when the division of the kingdom came. The fall of the northern kingdom is 722 BC with Assyrian captivity and then the fall of the southern kingdom in 586 BC with the Babylonian captivity. The kingdom of Israel was divided into two, the southern kingdom which was Judah. It consisted of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And then the northern kingdom of Israel, which consisted of the other remaining ten tribes. During this time, there were good kings who reigned in the southern kingdom. And in the southern kingdom, just the two tribes that were there, they brought about spiritual reforms. Things were good there. But in the northern kingdom, the ten and this is the norm usually. It's always the majority that goes the wrong way. 
But in the northern kingdom, things were not going well there. The kings there were evil. There was no true revival. But it is in the same place where God sends these two prophets, Elijah and Elisha. All the kings of Israel in the northern kingdom, where Elijah and Elijah served, did evil in the sight of the Lord. And in the midst of this degenerated, idolatrous kingdom, where they ruled in vicious way, cruel way, degenerate kings there, God calls these two men. When God raises you, and when God puts a mantle on you, he sends you to a mission to turn things around that have been out of place. Don't be surprised when you are the only one Koluna who is serving God among so many problems that are there. Don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised if when you are always the odd one who is sticking out like a sore thumb. Don't be surprised. God always sends an answer to situations that are difficult. And that answer could be somebody that I'm looking at today, somebody watching on television. Come on now. Somebody who has logged on the internet, somebody in a cathedral, in a church somewhere. And so in verse 19 of chapter 19 that we read, it says, and Elijah found Elisha. He found him. We see Elijah, he had ministered for a while and had gotten to a place where he thought he was the only one left. He was a lonely man. Now he moved out of a place of loneliness and discouragement. And the Lord seeks this man because he wants him to be joined by another who will revitalize him and restore him to his ministry through the spiritual insight. So the angel of the Lord comes to him. And so God begins to work in the life of Elijah and restores to him a new understanding. Born Elijah, you're not the only prophet who is there. There are others who haven't bowed their knee to bow. And there are others that I am calling as well. And so God expands his understanding and takes this prophet out of the mountain and goes him to go and find Elijah. Somebody said he found Elijah. Say it again. Say it again. Note what it says. It says when he found, now note. You see, the mantle found Elijah. Elijah didn't find the mantle. We don't choose which mantle comes out. We don't choose, Bazalan. It is something that God predetermines. And it finds you. And when it finds you, you can't say no. You can't say I'm busy. You can't say hectic. When it finds you, when it finds you, you say yes. Say yes. You can't find an assignment for your life. You can't find a destiny for your life. You can't find what you must do with your life. You, you, you don't go and find it. finds you. Unkulunkulu determines it before you are born. This is what I'm going to use so and so for. It finds him. But knows where it finds him. It finds him doing something unspiritual, plowing. He is doing a natural thing that has nothing to do with preaching and teaching and prophesying. Because God does not prepare his ministers behind the pulpit or on the church pew. God prepares his ministers and his servants in the everyday hustle and bustle of life. So if you are looking for somebody that God is using, look for somebody because you only develop 
true loyalty and faithfulness if you can be trusted with things that are ordinary and mundane. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, Amen, neighbor. Tell your two other neighbors, neighbor, Amen. And Elisha is plowing. He's a farmer. He's working a thankless task. He's working out in the sun. He's working a job where the change of weather can change the work that you have put in for months. Because this is where God prepares people. People who are faithful. Jesus said, if you are faithful in that which is another man's, if you are faithful in little, if you are faithful in unspiritual things. The problem with many of the young people who want to come into ministry, they think by standing behind the pulpit and by walking around like prophets and and handling themselves like celebrities, they think that is how God makes ministers. God doesn't make ministers like that. God looks for people who are ushers. God looks for people who are sweeping the floor. God looks for people who are not too high and too important to carry a chair. Am I talking to people in this house? God's not looking for some important somebody who's got bodyguards around them who doesn't know what the word work means. God is looking for people who know how to work. Not only who can prophesy. That's where God makes ministers. That's where God makes ministers. And if you want to know, God is looking at the mundane things. How you are working for your boss. How you are cleaning your house. How you are looking after those children. God is looking at that. When you have been given a job at your work, how much you are doing it, come say betting how. And those become the candidates. Oh, I'm coming where you live. I'm coming where you live. And it's interesting that Elisha, you can see, he comes from a rich family. He's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. You know, a yoke is about 12. So it's 12 times 12. Kibukai. Kibukai. Huh? 144. So he's got 144 oxen. He is plowing with the 12th, 12th yoke. So imagine he killed 144 cattle to obey the call. So this boy who's raised in affluence, this boy who is raised in plenty, he is not riding on the plentiness of his home, he's working. You know. That's it, his boy. <laughs> and to obey the prophetic call, he knew he would have to suffer personal loss, financially speaking. It meant he had to count the cost. See, this is what people don't understand, Kaburut. Biruti is not a status thing. Oh. No, no, God will bless you. Don't, don't mind. God will bless you. Mara, you don't, you don't put that first. It's a place of sacrifice and hard work. Yeah. You leave all and you follow. He meant counting his financial security as loss and becoming a soldier of the Lord in the trenches and tremendous spiritual conflict. It shows his willingness to be a man of faith. He has developed his biblical values and priorities and eternal perspectives in the trenches of life. And his heart has been captured And this boy hasn't allowed his wealth to take his heart so that when God calls him, he can't turn back from it. 
As a result, he acts in all faith, following God. He forsakes all and he is willing to be uprooted from his quiet, peaceful, rural life, which has a lot of financial security, just to follow the Lord. Oh, why? Because this boy understands. When God puts a mantle on somebody, it's because there's somebody in need. Oh, how I wish some of you could understand why God is calling on you. Why God is putting the mantle on you. It's because somebody's life hangs in the balance. Somebody's life is in trouble. Somebody's destiny hangs in the balance. If God can find one young woman, if God can find one young man, if only one of them can say yes, somebody's life will be changed. Sometimes it's not just the one person. It's the two people. It's the hundred people. Sometimes it's a whole nation that can be saved because of one man who will say yes. One man, one woman who will turn back on the comforts of life. One man, young woman who will say, God, I'm willing to live a different kind of life just for the sake of others. And he understood that. Elisha understood that. He knew what his nation needed was the word of the Lord. Like the sons of Issachar, he understood the times. He understood the seasons. Do we have people in our nation who understand the time in which we live? Do we have people in our nation who understand the season? Do we see the crisis we are sitting on? Do we see the the destiny of young people? Is it worrying somebody's heart? And when God comes to you, and God put his mantle on you, you know there's a lot that's at stake. Elisha understood that. Elisha understood that. But it's important also to note that when Elisha was there, Elijah found him. Though he belonged to a prominent family, he was at work in the field. Though wealthy, he was not irresponsible or lazy. This didn't make him a leader, but certainly developed, demonstrates that he already had developed the kind of character that we need in leadership. Not only did hard work build his character, but he built a testimony of those who are around him. Today it's difficult to follow some people because you don't know about Swakai and they have no track record of having done things that are good. It's very difficult. We have Elanji. How we do Swakai. There's no track record of where they serve. Tinkaru will fella from somewhere. But this young man had a track record. You could go to his home and ask about him. Oh, we have prophets today who are just springing up overnight. You, they have no trace. You can't trace them. They are not traceable. You don't know who Rikibo Mang, and some of you are foolish enough to follow them. Don't even know where they come from. But this young man had a track record. And his track record wasn't just a church track record. Bible says you have to have a good testimony of those who are without. Even people in the society, but right, Lord. Oh, come on. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, it's interesting to note that many great men and women of the Bible that were called by God in a special ministry is after they had demonstrated an ability and a willingness to work where they had also shown faithfulness and loyalty. Note, Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, when God called him. 
David was looking after his father's sheep when God called him. Peter and all the other disciples, they were fishermen when God called them. Paul was a tradesman making tents when God called him. Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, was a carpenter by trade. He was trained by his father Joseph as a carpenter before he went into the waters of baptism of John. Where now what is your legacy? Can we trace you? Elijah throws his mantle on Elisha. Notice three things about the mantle. And we only have enough time for me to just introduce a little bit. The mantle was the official attire or garment of a prophet. There were three types of mantles worn in biblical times. You all know about the mantle of Joseph, which I think I'll talk about next week. The coat of many colors. What does it mean? What does it signify? But there are three types of mantles referred to. And in our text, the specific mantle referred to is what they call the Adareth. Spelled A-D-D-E-R-E-T. Adareth. Or Adahereth. What was it? It was a cloak that was made out of animal hair. And it was a garment of great distinction that would be worn by kings and especially prophets, as you see in 1 Kings 19. If you want other further references, you can read 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 8, verse 13 and 14, and also Zechariah chapter 13, verse 4, just for further references. This one is 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 13. Other references, 2 Kings 2, 8, and 13 and 14, and Zechariah 13, 4. Now note, the mantle automatically marked a man as a prophet and a spokesman of God. So it was a symbol that you are being marked out. You are being separated. There's a mark put on you. It was a symbol of sacrifice and commitment. Because the life of a prophet was not a life of luxury back then. So a mantle, therefore, represented a man's gift. Write it down. It represented the call of God, the grace of God, <laughs> I tell you, and the purpose for which a person was called. All right? That's what I meant. It was a coat, but that coat, you know, the other day when I was studying this, then it struck me. Why? And I, I, I wondered how many of them really understand what this kubo means. Because that's exactly what they did in those days. When they put it on your shoulders, it becomes a sign. We know that Elijah threw this mantle on Elisha. And he didn't just throw it anywhere. He threw it on his shoulders. <laughs> you remember what it says about Jesus in the book of Isaiah? Chapter 9. It says, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. 
told us prophetically, speak of a position of power, but a position of authority. I think that's why they just put this thing, they don't wear it, they just drape it over their shoulders. So when Elijah came and took his mantle and threw it on Elisha's shoulders, it was a symbolic act denoting that he is being summoned to the office of a prophet. But it was also a sure sign of God's gift that enabled him to fulfill the prophetic office and the ministry. It was an announcement that the gift of prophecy is given and the authority, watch this, Pastor, the authority and the divine enablement to execute the prophet ministry is coming upon you. Because God never calls anybody that he does not equip. Yeah. See, there are many people who claim they are called Marmau Pega. You don't see the equipment. God equips you for your office. God equips you for the task at hand. Because you're going to need God's equipment. Because for you to fulfill God's call, it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by the Spirit of God. I tell you, fulfilling God's call is going to take more than eloquence. It's going to take more than your looks. It's going to take more than your skill. It's going to take more than your connections. It's going to take more than money. It's going to take more than human applause. It's going to take more than people who are liaising with you. It's going to take God to take you there, even if things are not okay. But if God calls you, God will take you there. Can I hear a good amen in the house? Oh, yeah. That's why we've got to respect the mental. <laughs> I've learned to respect the mental. I respect it. Oh, yeah. They may not be the most well-spoken. They may not be the most handsome and the prettiest. They may not be the most likable. Oh, Bajerintoman. Bajerintoman. And when they start to operate, can't we buy Jerim? Oh, yeah. And that mantle came upon him. This act was a prophetic announcement. And immediately, Elisha understood. Let me close. When we read the New Testament, we learn that all of us as believers, we have a mantle on us. And the New Testament calls it the priesthood of believers. What this means, among other things, is that God has called you to fulfill certain assignments. It, it's not the same call as Elisha. I don't want you to run out of here and go and try and start the church because that's not what I said. <laughs> or oh, next thing, please keep up with us. WhatsApp picture. So please don't go and quote what I said. All I said, and I'll explain it more next week, we all have different assignments. Different ones. But for your assignment, there is a mental on your... Oh. oh, come on. I thought someone will be glad that there's a mental on your life. So the New Testament teaches us, the theologians that are here in front, we call it the... the, the the priesthood of believers. That's what it's called. Watch this now. Watch this. In the same way Elijah was called to fulfill an assignment, each of us has been assigned by God 
with a divine calling to fulfill a certain mission on earth. You are not a mistake. How mokam bombay. Our calling and assignment might not be as spectacular as that of Elijah. Nor are we called to be prophets like Elijah, but we have an assignment. Romans 12 says, verse 5 in the NIV says, So in Christ, we who are many from one body, and each one a member belongs to the others, we have different gifts. Watch this now. According to the grace. Somebody say according to the grace. Say it again. Oh, come on, say it again. You remember I told you that Elisha found Elisha? The grace of God found you. That gift found you. You, you didn't choose which gift. I'm going to find so and so. Oh. 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 We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. Do you see the mental? Do you see the grace? Oh, verse 8. If it is encouraging others, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. I love this next one. If it is leadership, let him lead diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. The, the New Living Translation says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function. Look at your neighbor and say, you have a special function. Tell them again, you have a special function. Tell them, say, the mental didn't, I say, the mental found me. I didn't find it, it found me. Tell them, my special function found me. I didn't find it. It found me, it found me. Yeah. Question is, what's your special function? Do you understand why you are who you are? You, do you understand why you feel the things you feel and you're passionate about what you're passionate with? Do you understand why? Question is, do you understand what your mental is? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I was studying this, Barcelona, and I'll say it next week, I noted that there are certain people in there are families that lose their mental and God raises somebody to press the reboot button and restore the mental. If you look at the life of Josiah, I'm giving you next week's sermon already. Josiah comes from a family that had moved so far away from God, but this boy at the age of eight was the one that God used to bring his family back on track. I wonder if I'm looking at some Josiahs here this morning. You will understand why your journey seems to be so hard. Because when you are swimming against the river, you are going opposite to everybody in your family. You don't understand why. Mara, it's because the mantle of God is upon your life. My prayer for you who are watching from home, those of you who are on YouTube, who are on our website, and who have logged onto our church website, I pray that God will bless you and help you. Everybody watching in our cathedrals, I pray that you will understand the significance of who you are, that you will not miss it by allowing yourself to follow things that are not going to do any good in your life. Let me pray for you. Will you raise your hands? Father, I pray for our views just now. I pray for every one of them. Bless them now. If you want to receive Christ as Savior and Lord, follow me in this prayer. Pray with me, everybody. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is why you must draw closer to God. Because in drawing closer to God, that becomes the beginning of a journey. How I pray that through this teaching, you can truly discover who you really are. Because so many people, they don't know. I wish you can have a, a moment like Simba. When Simba finally discovered who he really was, after running away from Pride Rock, busying himself on an agenda that took him further and further away from his mission. But one day he woke up. I pray you will wake up and discover who you really are. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a big hand of praise.